seen until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. You know, I, um, I have been, I rediscovered and been rewatching Ash versus the Evil Dead, the TV show, because I love that show. I remember loving it. And I don't think I made it all the way through every season. I think I dropped off at the, like the end of the second season. So I wanted to go back and rewatch it. It's like a perfect show for me anyway, because it's like funny and gory, a little scary, very weird. And it's a bunch of characters I love. And it has Lucy, Lucy Lawless, who I think is fucking incredible. I don't know any of these people or that show. <laughs> Did you never see any of the Evil Dead movies? Uh, or Army of Darkness? No. No? No, this uh, is great. You'd love this. There's a guy named Ash Campbell. He is possessed by demons. In one movie, he ends up cutting off his own hand because it's possessed by demons, and he attaches a chainsaw to it, and he's like this demon slaying. Yeah, you'd love it, man. Your eyes just lit up. They can't see this. Like, you just got really excited when I was like, chainsaw hand. It's fucking great. And it's, they're ridiculous, and they're funny, and they're gory, and the, the way that the camera moves around in these movies is just really incredible, like really inventive. Okay. Um, yeah, totally worth. Oh my god, absolutely. Watch them. Check them out. Have you seen uh, Squid Games yet? Not yet, but I'm going to. I need to do it. Oh my god, it's so good. I see. I love Korean cinema, Korean TV. I've been really into that. So good. Have you seen uh, Alice in Borderland? No, you were talking about that. I'd never even heard of that. Uh, it's a, another K drama on uh, Netflix. It's, it's also very good. It kind of like Squid Game. Squid Games reminded me of reminded me of Alice in Borderland. What I did and see, they're both in like a similar vein. What? Yeah. What I, I the only thing the Korean show I saw on Netflix that I really liked was called The Kingdom. Never seen and it's it. it's like um, it is a period piece about like palace intrigue and the Koreans first uh, this Korean Empire first coming into contact with zombies okay but it's when i say that i like i try to undersell the zombie part because it's really trivial to the whole thing like it's not a zombie tv show it's this wild tv show where all this other stuff's going on and there's like a there's the big battles and people are trying to assume power um because you know the king is is dead that happens very early it's not a big spoiler um but uh yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was only six episodes uh, each season. There's two seasons, okay. and I just like gobbled them up. <laughs> you gotta tell about the. You gotta tell about the ticket. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, your boy thought he was going to fucking jail, y'all. I thought I was fucking done, and I I haven't. All right, a little uh, spoiler alert for my story. I feel like it's necessary for the story. I haven't had car insurance in five months. <laughs> God, I didn't realize it was that long. <laughs> it was that long. Shit, Dalton. Um, and, you know, money's just got tight one month, and our policy was up for renewal, and we were like, I can't afford this. So we just didn't renew it. And as the months went on, money was still tight, so we just didn't, didn't reinstate it, didn't reinstate it, didn't reinstate it. So a couple days ago, I was on my way to work, and... I saw a cop. It was, it was a four-lane highway, and I saw a cop in the left lane, and I was in the right lane. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even give it no mind. And then I look in my rearview mirror, and he gets behind me, and that's when like the little antennas start going off in my head, like, uh-oh. <laughs> and his lights come on. I'm like, 
Fuck. Okay, so I'll pull over. And keep in mind, according to Georgia law, if you're driving without insurance, that's automatic. You go to jail, your car gets towed. So he comes up to my window. He goes, license and registration, please. I give him my license. I'm like, so about that registration. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was like, you know, uh, I'm playing, trying to play dumb at this point. The card's in here somewhere. I I don't know where it would be. He's like, well, I ran your tag. And it says you don't have any car insurance. I was like, oh, man, that's so weird. I gave my wife the money Wednesday to get it reinstated <laughs> to pay the bill. And he goes, really now, can you show me where you sent her the money? And this is where, like, me playing dumb has, like, a good side effect. Yeah, I pulled up my cash app. And just so happened on Wednesday, I sent my wife $600, which is to pay bills and stuff. And I showed her, I was like, see, you know, I sent her money. He's like, now you call her up real quick. And I was like, Okay. You didn't tell me any of this part. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to save it for the podcast. <laughs> I call her up and I'm like, hey, you haven't paid the insurance yet, have you? This is where I'm hoping that like she catches the hint that like, I'm, no, I'm not just going to call and ask about the insurance out of the blue. Would you say this is the part where you hope that she catches your drift? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was terrible. She goes, no, I hadn't really got to it yet. And this is when the cop says, well, it seems like you had about five months to get to it. And show it on my computer that you had had insurance in a while. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Oh, God. He's new this whole time. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you hang up with her real quick and we'll talk. And I was like, all right. So I hang up with her. And he goes, where are you headed? I was like, I'm going to work. He's like, what time are you supposed to be there? And right now it's like 4.05. I've been pulled over <laughs> for a minute. He goes, I go, I'm supposed to be there at four o'clock. He goes, okay, how far away is it? And I'm like, up at the next light, make a left. And it's the first industrial park on your left. He goes, okay, what's the address? And I give him the address. He goes, I'll be right back. And he goes to his car and I'm shitting my pants. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, man. I can't go to fucking jail. I don't have any money. Fucking da, 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 da. And I think about it. I'm like. This motherfucker's Googling where I work right now because I gave him the address. You'll see how far away it is. Yep. Or if you actually like, it's a real place or you're just making shit up. Right. So he gets out of his car, comes back. He's like, all right, I'm going to cut you some slack. I'm going to give you a ticket for failure to maintain insurance. I'm going to give you a warning for your suspended tag. My tag suspended because I don't have insurance. And, <laughs> and he's like, Say, I'm, cutting you, I'm cutting you a deal because I could just take it to jail if I wanted to. And I'm giving you a warning for spend a tag because that's the bigger ticket. And I was like, well, how much is the failure to maintain insurance ticket? He's like, I don't know. You have to call the number on the ticket to find out. I'm like, how do you fucking know which one's more expensive than? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, at least I'm not going to jail. So I pull out, I go to work. And meanwhile, my wife's texting me like, I'm literally getting us insurance right now. <laughs> Bless so, her for sure. <laughs> so I had insurance before I left work, <laughs> which is good. But I get to work and I call the number on the ticket to see how much the ticket is $365. Ooh, Jesus Christ. So 
figure now is as good as time as any. If you catch my grift, Patreon coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> help, help Dalton. Well, first of all, like you, you kind of were, I mean, like, okay, I'm not going to lecture you because a, a bunch of people already did, but not only oh, are you Stacey going silvers, yes, Stacy <laughs> gave you a, an earful, <laughs> which was, I just had to sit back and watch. Uh, but not only were you riding without insurance, you also didn't have a seatbelt on at the time. And yeah. I'm not a seatbelt, you know, cop or anything like that. I don't wear it a lot and I, I get lectured, but you see, I can't say that too loud. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's gesturing to the door. She doesn't know. She <laughs> doesn't decide to listen to an episode and it'd be the this ticket, one. The ticket is our center console. She hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> You gonna get in trouble. You you're gonna try to be smarter than her, and she's gonna outwit you. I guarantee it. Yep, every time. Um, <laughs> I, I I had a coworker. I'm not gonna name who it was, but I had a coworker, and she got a ticket and wanted to hide it from her husband because she got a few tickets. It was a parking ticket it wasn't a traffic ticket, like a violation. But she had it, so she, instead of bringing it home, she left it at her desk at work, and her husband decided to surprise her one day at work with flowers. So he comes in oh, and gives her flowers no. and she's like, Oh, it's so nice. And he's like, is that a ticket? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Shit!" <laughs> he's like, are you kidding me? You got another ticket here. I am bringing you flowers and you got a secret ticket that you never even told me about. I'm like, God, just immediately de-escalated <laughs> into a fight. <laughs> and the kicker was is the reason he brought the flowers. This was an apology for a fight they had had earlier that morning. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was very funny. <laughs> All right. All right. So Let's speaking of uh, the scam that is law enforcement, how about we get into this other scam? <laughs> Let's do it. This is going to be a wild departure from last week, um, which I'm kind of excited about. Oh, you said I'm not doing accents. <laughs> no, do not do an accent. Oh. added all that out. No accents this episode. <laughs> oh, God. I already got already got canceled on one podcast. Let's get yeah. it <laughs> for a similar reason too, Dalton. You better not forget to edit this and release it, or Charlie gonna be all over your ass. <laughs> he he sent me the canceled clip, by the way. <laughs> what did you think? I was just like, oh no! It's like watching a car crash, but in the car, it's like a bunch of like bunny rabbits, and you're like, no. God, you don't know how it felt to just humiliate myself in a <laughs> virtual room full of our friends. Between the two of us, I <sighs> thought I would be canceled far more than you because I don't know certain emojis. And like you know, <laughs> when I actually see the horny emoji, I'm like, it would have just been like not out of malice. It would have just been out of ignorance. And like, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Okay. Here we go. Reset. <laughs> Take two. All right. Dear sir, urgent business proposal. We have 30 million US dollars, which we got from overinflated contract from crude oil contract awarded to foreign contractors in the Nigerian Natural Petroleum Corporation. We are seeking your assistance and permission to remit this amount into your account. Your commission is 30% of the money. Please notify me your acceptance to do this business urgently. The men involved are men in government. More details will be sent to you by fax as soon as we hear from you. 
For the purpose of communication in this matter, may we have your telefax, telex, and telephone numbers, including your private home telephone number. Contact me urgently through the fax number above. Please treat as most confidential all replies strictly by DHL courier or through the above fax number. Thanks for your cooperation. Yours faithfully, Prince Jones Dimka in Lagos, Nigeria. Commission for what exactly? What work did I do to get a commission? Well, we will talk about that. But if you are familiar at all with this type of letter, we are talking about Nigerian email scams today. Yeah. (laughs) I'm very excited about it. I feel like I'm glad you know about this because I feel like it was very much a thing in like when I like in my sort of time frame and it had kind of disappeared by the time you were a kid. Well, it's like one of those things, like when your parents are warning you about the dangers of the Internet, that's the first thing that gets brought up. Right. Because your parents were the original victims (laughs) or the targets, not victims, sorry, targets like they were the ones that were getting it because that was, you know, when email was new and everybody was innocent, you know, you thought that, you know, people online were the the fake picture that they sent you. (laughs) This man wants to send me money. Oh, my God. Technology is amazing. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So. This type of con is known as the advanced fee scam, and it has a really surprisingly long history. Um, It goes all the way back to 1799. What? Yes. What kind of computers did they have in 1799? (laughs) It's the computer part is like like the most recent iteration. (laughs) This is, but it was like tailor made for the computers. But this was. Um, this actually happened at the end of the French Revolution so in France, because that's where French okay. people come from. <laughs> um, <laughs> as a result of the revolution, there were a lot of rich folks in prison. And so what would happen is the, 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 the grifter, the con man, would write a letter and it was um, purportedly written on behalf of an aristocrat who had been locked up as a result of the revolution. Right. The aristocrat, and we're going to call him just for this, the Marquis de Grift, had thrown a chest of gold and jewelry into the lake while trying to escape capture. But alas, he was caught anyway, and the chest was still hidden, and only he knew where. Marquis de Grift would be more than happy to share the contents of that chest with anyone who could help raise money for their escape. I'm sorry. Is this man's name Marquis de Griff? Well, I just made that up for this, for the purpose of the oh. story. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it would usually be like Marquis de blank or, you know, like they would have a name that they would fill in to make you feel like this is an authentic person. Oh, my God. I was like, this is too good to be true. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, it's not. It's none of it is true. <laughs> but yeah, for our story, I wanted to name you Marquis de Griff. <laughs> um, and it, this sounds completely ridiculous and it is and that is like a feature part of the con going forward and they make these stories so outrageous that it automatically like weeds out all but the most gullible people so they're like right if this is dumb you know like we're gonna get all the skeptics out of here right away and then they knew that in 1799 which i think is pretty impressive um the really cool thing about this drift is like normally when somebody's trying to con somebody they would make it like as elaborate and as truthfully sounding as possible. And then they're out here just flipping that on his head. Let's make this sound as ridiculous as possible. Right. So all the people with common sense will get the fuck out of the way. Yep. And that's, that's <laughs> and we'll st- be left with these people. 
And we'll talk about this because that's like step one. They're like, okay, now that we've gotten rid of the people that have common sense or skeptics, then we're going to make this as believable as we can. You know, it's just that first step, like that first filter. And then after that, they really step it up and it resembles more of a real con with like believable narratives and all this kind of stuff. But as for this French scam, um, according to Eugene Vadoque, I don't know if I said that right, but um, he was a criminal that turned into the first what we would consider modern police detective. So he, he sort of flipped. He's kind of fascinating. I don't know if he's a grift episode, but um, I, I've definitely been reading a lot more on him. And I think he's an interesting I think he's an interesting character. But anyway, he said out of the hundred letters that were written, about 20 of them would be replied to, which is incredible. <laughs> I get the, the, the Nigerian scammers don't have that kind of response rate. It, this, is, this, is, this is good. I think it just dilutes over time. About 100 years later, it would pop up again, this time known as the Spanish Prisoner Scheme. And I want to read a little bit from the Boston Globe. Uh, the con got its name a century later when it was popularized in the United States during the Spanish-American War. Havana and Madrid offered the perfect setting for the letter's promises. Remote, but not accessible. Exotic, but recognizable. And full of mercenaries, adventurers, and corrupt officers. A detailed daily presence in the pages of Pulitzer's and Hearst newspapers, the war provided an ideal context for the story of a military man imprisoned in Spain with money concealed in the United States, say a shipment of Cuban gold, that he could recover with your help. Bolstered by current events folded into the story, i.e. like, I was captured in the Battle of X. I was friends with the famous soldier Y. The scam proliferated and Spanish prisoner syndicates on the East Coast did a brisk business. So... The evolution is, hey, let's fill in the void after this war. There's a lot of prisoners. There's, it's, it's on all the, the news. I mean, in all the newspapers. So this is what it is. Hey, help me out of prison. And you get a big chunk of this treasure. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and a lot of times, too, they would even offer, like, they would up their Annie from the French letters. And they would offer, like, the, the hand in marriage to their beautiful daughter if they helped them get out. <laughs> so it's. Yeah, but this is the Spanish people, so that's a French accent. <laughs> no, 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 Dalton. I told you this episode, no accents. <laughs> okay. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to bleep that out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you know, again, this is an era, no TV, right? This is like this is 1898, I believe. Right. No radio is in its infancy. I mean, there's just not widespread radio. So it's all newspapers. So the newspapers were obsessed with stories about the Spanish-American War. On a side note, the Spanish-American War was really what gave America its raging boner for imperialism. <laughs> like right. they, we were like, hey, we could do this everywhere. Like we, we, we took uh, Guam, Puerto Rico, and Hawaii. One, and one other territory. Not Hawaii. Not from the Spanish. Okay. Um, Guam, Puerto Rico, and then... Uh, oh, the Prison Philippines. Island? No, the Philippines. Oh. Wait, we took the Philippines? We own yeah. the Philippines? We did. We don't anymore. We didn't really okay. own it. We just occupied it and said that you're part of the United States. And oh, this so was we're like, like terrorists. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's not a history podcast, but yeah, we did a lot of bad stuff. And we continue to do a lot of bad stuff. And... Yeah, that was the first taste of it. I mean, it just got out drones. You know, <laughs> shout out just big ships and a good navy right now. Um, and just beating the shit out of out of Spain in this war in Cuba. Um, and it really just collapsed. This was like the end of the the Spanish Empire, really, because we started just right. nabbing up uh, some of their territories. 
Florida. We took Florida. <laughs> we had Florida. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, this. we took Florida at one point. Uh, yeah. one, uh, Florida belonged the to the Spaniards. At one point, we took all. Well, yeah, states. but from the Spaniards, right? The Spaniards took it from the native people, and we took it from Spain. And it's been great ever since. <laughs> Florida fucking rules, man. I don't care. <laughs> Florida is awesome. Um, so America's governor. I'm sorry. I got to stop. I've got to stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cancel me. (laughs) You. It's not going to be them. You're just going to do it to yourself. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. So I couldn't get a a solid answer in this, the Spanish prisoner scheme. If the, the letter writers kept up the correspondence and you're going to see, this is something with the Nigerian scams is that they keep, going back over and over again, requesting more and more money. And I don't, I don't know if that was the case here or if that's something that's original to the, the, the more recent Nigerian scams. So that brings us to the 1980s. It's weird how it like jumps every hundred years. So I think yeah. like in a hundred year, probably like 80 years, we're going to see this again. And we're well, gonna be shocked like, by it. you got to give people time to forget about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go away, learn a new hold. Isn't that what they say in wrestling? Um, so the 80s, a new version of the same scam emerged, but this time it was from Nigeria. So the Nigerian scam has been going on since the 80s, which I don't think a lot of people knew. Mm, I didn't um, know the internet existed in the 80s. Well, it didn't. It didn't. Oh, okay. So this was a little different. Um, it targeted primarily businesses and would send correspondence via mail and later fax. So they oh, were okay. actually mailing real letters. Uh, the documents were an elaborate forgeries on authentic looking letterhead. They usually came from a bank executive or a relative from uh, a member of royalty in Nigeria and need a help from a third party. And there's a large sum of money that is completely inaccessible for a variety of reasons, but with your help and your money, they will be able to access the funds. Of course, for your cooperation, you would be given a very generous portion of the fortune because no one works for free. Okay. So, Let's say you got a letter like this in the mail. What would be your first thought? Oh, I'm assuming that you don't know about, say you don't know about the scam. Well, what would be your first thought? I guess it depends. It depends on who you are. Like if you're framing this as like some mail clerk gets it and gets excited and thinks this is going to be something that gets him promoted. And he looks at the, the envelope and it's actually from Nigeria. Like the postmark is from Nigeria. It's like, maybe this is legit. Maybe this is the way I'm going to get a promotion or, you know, somehow, because it's it's for the company, it's not for them individually. See, but I don't know. Like my skeptic has to be like, why me? Why yeah, am I getting well, this letter? I mean, if I'm being real, like, what am I supposed to do to help them? <laughs> right. If I'm being real, I'm like, my skeptical asks me like, that's not how people get money. That's not yeah. how people make money. You know how right. people make money? They're born to rich parents, right? <laughs> they're, they're these fucking little freaks that get born to these rich parents and never have to work a day in their life, and they suddenly find themselves in in like with this vast fortune and they fuck everything up and they're going to be <laughs> monsters. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> that's how you, that's how you like stumble upon a big money. You know, it's like everybody that wins the lottery loses the money before, you know, before they die. Almost. See, I've, already, I've got a plan in place in case I ever win the lottery. <laughs> well, and that's what everybody thinks, but then you got like these fucking cousins that come out of nowhere. Oh, fuck. I don't even like my family, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> fucking cousins. I'm giving all my shit to an accountant. And but like, you know, all, all these, but like, then you got all these con men that are going to start calling you up. I don't give a shit, bro. I'm moving away immediately. 
I'm g- giving all my money to an accountant. I'm like, listen, you're bro, give me name. like. You're now Halton Darris. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I'll give all my money to an accountant. I'm like, listen, bud, just give me like 50 grand a year. Just give me enough to like get a respectable house. How you know he's not going to rip you off? Money, it's their job to not rip you off, right? It's their job to handle your money. Brother, there's a lot of people that don't do their fucking jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I mean, if you're talking a lot of money, it does, I, like, if we've learned anything from this show, it doesn't take a lot of money to make people do some bad shit, bad, uh, bad things to other people. Yeah, that's, that's true. I don't know. Sure. That's why I got to go to one of them fancy accounts that handles like fucking George Clooney's money or something. You know, like, my- listen, bro, I don't need as much as Clooney. Just give me enough to afford like a nice double wide and buy a pretty big F-150 and I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have this like problem with like, and it, it's just a me thing. And I know this, but it's like, I have a problem trusting anybody who makes less than the money that I'm giving them with that money. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Like yeah. if you got someone and let's say they make just for the sake of this argument, a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Let's go $200,000, right. right? They're really good. They're well-known in the industry. $200,000 a year. And I walk in there and I'm like, here's $50 million. Motherfucker. I, like <laughs> you really got to be an upstanding person. And you don't know that, especially when you give them $50 million. But think of it on this end. They should be scared to lose their jobs and not be able to get hired to do that job again if they fuck up with your money, right? Yeah, but man, there's places that they can't, they can get out of here and run to, to places they can be extradited from. I guess. I don't I know. Guess. I, like I said, I'm really cynical and I have some, I have, you know, and especially after doing this fucking podcast, I got <laughs> some trust issues, people and money, <laughs> but it's all a pipe dream. Cause I ain't got that kind of money. <laughs> if you catch my Griff Patreon coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, I could see kind of how people can fall into this, you know, like maybe like a nonprofit company, they got a hold of this and they're like, holy shit, that's a windfall. Like that's the most money we've ever made doing anything. Right. Why would right. I don't know, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. So initially it was about businesses and they would eventually widen the, the target, the aim to individuals. And right after that, along came email and it just, this advanced fee scheme exploded with emails. You know, that's why, and it's honestly, the email is the only reason anybody knows about this, that it's like wildly known because it was like, that was the moment where it was like, holy shit, this is a new way of doing this. This is a scheme that was perfect for email. It it doesn't, you know, it does a lot of things. It doesn't cost anything because they didn't have to rely on printing and buying postage. And honestly, even before they were forging most of their postage, so they weren't even paying for that, but you don't have to send anything. Like there's no cost associated with it. Email is free and cheap. All they had to do was find the addresses. How do they get the email addresses? Well, we'll get to that. I'm not going to leave you in the dark on anything, Dalton. I never do. <laughs> I'm not going to start now. So um, a letter, much like Ridge at the beginning of this episode, arrives in your inbox. You read it, and it piques your interest, right? Let's just, let's just pretend. like You're like, hey, that sounds good. Money, money, money. So you decide to respond back. No harm in that. And the second you respond back, there's a team, a team of people in Nigeria organizing all the key players to squeeze as much money as they can out of you. So these are not individuals. These are large organizations, you know, sometimes like 
hundreds of people in one organization. Like this is a very advanced operation. It's typically a job. Not. It's an yeah, actual it job. Yeah. And typically it is smaller groups, but they can get very large. I mean, these networks can get huge because it's in it. When we start talking about how much money they make, it's shocking. <laughs> um, so a, a little bit about the teams, uh, the teams are structured typically differently across organizations, but a rough outline looks like this. So you've got a boss. He's the top guy. He is the one paying everyone. He gets the biggest slice and he's usually the most seasoned veteran in the crew. Once one of the leads bites, once somebody replies, he immediately takes over and he's the guy that's talking to the victim. Okay. And under him are the, the catchers or the gaiman, which is a, a Nigerian term for um email scammers really (laughs) (laughs) they're a guy man um this is the person that actually sends out the emails to the potential victims or as they call them in you're not ready for this as they call them in nigeria the victims are called magas (laughs) oh so fitting oh (laughs) Oh God, I love it. So I want to read you about the history because it's at, this is a thing, and it like almost sounds too ridiculous These to be are real. The best scammers. These are the only scammers. <laughs> um. So, uh, this is from uh, Snopes of all places in Yoruba, a language spoken by about thirty million people, mostly in Nigeria, but elsewhere around the world. The word mugun has a quite mischievous connotation. It means fool, but when broken down to component this. It means something like someone to write about like a donkey. <laughs> so Mugu is fool. Um, and one of those words had to, it, it is one of the words that has to successfully translate without using too many words. But if someone successfully convinces me to part with $50 with the promise of getting 100 in an hour, and then it disappears, I've become his Mugun. He rolled me over. In Nigeria pigeon or Nigerian pigeon, the word eventually became to be written as Mugu, but with the same meaning, a fool, an idiot, someone easily duped, a victim of a transparent or elaborate con. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sometime in the early 2000s, at the height of the internet scam uh, generation, when jobless young people use their talents and the newfounded efficiency of the internet to trick and dupe people from around the world for thousands of dollars, the word came back into currency, but under a different mutation. Because Mugun was a language-specific and Mugu was already a commonplace enough to be detected when describing the victim of one's mean manipulation. Another word had to be coined. That word was MAGA. Oh, God, it's so, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> oh. And, you know, yeah. you got to, you got to, that makes you wonder. It was like, if Trump heard that and was like, fools, hmm. Was the perfect thing to call my fan base. <laughs> and we're not a politics podcast, but our politics do come through just because that's what happens when you're talking about this stuff. But it, I, I found out in 2018, someone discovered and made this connection that MAGA was actually the dupe or a fool or a, a person you can ride around like a donkey and put on Twitter. And it like, and that's the reason that Snopes actually had to look into it and write up an article about it. Because <laughs> they were like, this is like too good to be true. That like these people who are partying with thousands of dollars for some bunch of bullshit are referred to in the exact same term as Trump supporters. No, I will. I will say this: if you're offended that I don't like Donald Trump, just know that 
I don't like Joe Biden just as much. <laughs> <laughs> they both fucking suck. Very so true. It's, Same so for it's, me. It's okay. I hate everything equally. <laughs> yep, I'm right there with you. And this is not a pro DNC Biden podcast <laughs> at all in the fucking least. Um, so back to the guymen or the catchers. So their job is to go out and collect as many viable addresses as they can. And this is where all the addresses come from. They scour message boards and job sites. They, they go anywhere they can to find email addresses. And you have to realize that in the early internet days, people are a lot more willing to give out their email address because it was right. like, who's emailing you? Well, it's not a big deal. Like people I feel look- like nowadays people are pretty willing. Is it just me? Is it just me that's willing to give out my personal information? I mean, email address is no big deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, don't know, I just posted my address on the internet like two hours ago. <laughs> I don't go that far, but I probably have. You could probably find me pretty easily. I'm probably a really easy person to dox if that, <laughs> if that comes down to that. Um, so, yeah. So, well, I just think I realized I'm the perfect person to target for the scam. Oh, you have you're the, that's why you're in this podcast. You're like the ah. perfect person for all of these. <laughs> how much Did you, you want like- to give me money? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How much you like the, the ancient aliens? Uh, Eric oh, von Donikin. Von Donikin was right. <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Kidding. Ponzi. Ponzi would have totally swindled you. Oh my oh, god. Ponzi would have got me for sure. He's a for charmer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um. So yeah, some some of these the bigger like operations were able to buy addresses from like data brokers, but mostly it was like sending these young kids out, and there's a lot of kids to go find as many email addresses as they can. Um, and like also on the team kind of sprinkled around are various check mail and document forts. So they've got these like incredible forgeries that they go on and they play a big part later, but they rely on creating believable physical documents to keep the, the mark, the MAGA on the line. There also so, might be, a, huh? just to go back for a second, was this uh, before you could buy email lists? No, this was you could. I mean, you could buy email lists pretty quick, pretty soon. Okay, yeah, so I mean, they, they had they had a way to get a lot of emails fast. Yeah, but you need money to do that, so you had to be an established team, like an older team, to do that. Okay, listen, if there's a way to make money, somebody's gonna jump on that shit quick. Somebody realized very very early on that hey, if you can cultivate an email list, you can sell it. Speaking of mailing lists, Mike Lindell, stop sending me mail. I'm not gonna buy your fucking pillows. That's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't think about that when i bought you something from my pillow.com <laughs> i should have fuck am i gonna get stuff too because it was my billing address <laughs> oh, no uh, mike lindell coming soon this is this is this is this is my revenge for you trashing all those terrible political ads and never sending them to me this is what you get you <laughs> Speaking of, I still haven't gotten those stickers from Cleveland. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> God, I really forgot about those. I have to add it to my list of things to do. <laughs> um, Man, we are getting off track a lot in this episode. Okay. Let's, let's, right. let's get back to it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you have the foragers, right? And you also mm-hmm. have a bunch of people that play, that will eventually play other roles. They um, They pose as like bank employees government officials, business executives, or people from security firms, depending on what the story is. Sometimes these guys will uh, reach out to the MAGA on the phone. Sometimes if the scam goes far enough, they actually end up meeting the victim face-to-face. What? 
Yeah. We're How would there. this happen? Would they catch a flight to the States? We're going to get there. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so now back to how the con works, which I think is pretty obvious at this point, but the Gaiman gets a nibble from a MAGA. The, the ruse goes into motion. Like I mentioned before, the boss takes over at this point and we'll reach back out to the and, and delighted that this unsuspecting Rube wants to help. And this is from the book scam arama which is actually a really interesting book because this is a i think from what i gather it was a website early on that used to collect these number these letters and put them up and it was like hey this is a warning don't fall for any of this shit okay which, very much in the same vein of this podcast absolutely way before us though <laughs> <laughs> um so an email arrives out of the blue from someone posting at, or posing as a bureaucrat banker royal toady or relative of a conveniently dead dictator offering the deal of a lifetime translated painfully into english you dear reader are asked to help skim imaginary public accounts or siphon off an imaginary unclaimed inheritance or in some other way move a lot of imaginary money quite often though there are appeals to save a widow or help a cancer patient build orphanages so they it's not just nigerian princes sometimes they really they really play these this is really unscrupulous this is terrible (laughs) right (laughs) so back to the article or the, the passage your role is always to provide a bank account your reward a percentage of the money there's no money to be taken only yours um yeah yeah it's bad Forms must be filled out. The scammer asks for details of your bank account and scanned copies of your passport or driver's license. Although this is generally a red herring, an attempt to impress you and keep you busy, compliance is a bad idea as it exposes you to identity theft. While a bank security procedures typically frustrate such attempts, criminals do sometimes succeed in making unauthorized withdrawals. Your ID can also be used to scam others. Hmm. That's sort of the first step. And so they're like, hey, we need the bank account to deposit all this money into. We need passport and driver's license. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to just do a blind withdrawal from somebody's account. You know, like you can right. deposit anywhere you want. Like I could, you could give me your bank account right now and I could go deposit money in it without any trouble at all. But right. withdrawing is a totally different animal. Okay. Um, the so at this point like we're middle of the scan like we've just started and the process just keeps going right they've sent you paperwork they've sent you all kinds of other things correspondence you're going back and forth with the scammer and um the 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 scammer keeps you abreast of everything that's going on when all of a sudden um i'm sorry not all of a sudden edit that part out when the maga the victim might get a claim from a bank official or someone from the government to confirm certain details the key here is legitimacy so right so like we started this and we're like this is a ridiculous premise but once you're in it it becomes real right and they've got all these people that are calling you like actually calling you on the phone going hey i just need to confirm a couple of things with your bank account to make sure that it's legit i'm from the bank of lagos or you know whatever they say they lie but they, right. they it's this is when the story is sort of building right they're like okay so you believe this we got you we got our hooks in you now we're going to like tighten up and everything's going to be legit well, you would think at this point, like this person would tell somebody, like, "Yeah, man, this this person in Nigeria, we're gonna give me all this money," and their friends are like, "No, stop! I don't, <laughs> I don't scam. I don't know. I, I think I, the reason I don't think that that's, I, I think for a couple of things, they know that there may be some illegitimacy to this, right? And they don't want to talk about it. Number two, they've also seen lottery winners went lose their shit, like we talked about earlier, and I think maybe they want to kind of keep it to their own." 
Right. And I also think that I'm not a psychiatrist and I never would be, but I think that there's, I, I will, and we'll, we'll touch about this a little bit later, but I think that there's something about people craving a connection to other people. And so uh, some of these people, not all, but some people might not have other people in their life that they're going to, you know, they're close to. That's not true all the time because there are people that have been taken in this were married and had children, but like, you know, you keep it down. Okay. But also it depends on what you say, right? Like if you were like, oh, I, I met some Nigerian guy and he wants to give me this money, that's going to raise a red flag. But if you really believe it, you're going to tell whoever it is in a way that would make them believe it. Be like, okay, yeah, you want that confirmation bias. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Okay. That makes sense. That's what, that's what I think. I don't know that for sure. I didn't cover that in the reading, but the fact that these guys got away with as much money as they did makes me think that like, they, they did a really good job selling themselves. Right. <laughs> like, hey, you want to pick up this phone? You can call this banker in Nigeria right now. He'll pick up the phone. He, you know, he, I talked to him earlier. Like, this is legit. And, wow. that's, okay. and that's the reason that you want it to be legit, right? You want that legitimacy because you, you want to convince everyone around you that it's true and you're not just wasting your money, which you are. <laughs> um, so everything up until now is going smoothly, but then there's a, suddenly a problem. Um, there's something or someone standing in the way of the money getting to you. It's like a, either a bank fee, a security company, or perhaps a government official, but fear not. You can spend a little money and grease the wheels and palms. After all, you've got your share of $20 million coming to you. So this is where the con comes into play. Okay. And they start basically inventing fees and bribes. <laughs> And processing, you know, charges and security charges and holdings. I mean, like they, they just, there's a, there's a million different ways that they want to take your money. And they're like, we're sorry. We've hit the snag. This is an inconvenience. But if you give us $10,000 and it's not that big, usually yeah, that it's not that big. No, it's, it's like a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand. We can make this process move along. Right. Well, tell them to take it out of the money they're giving me. Well, that's the problem is like they, they come up with these stories where like, hey, there's a bank official who's not going to release these funds unless he gets bribed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's it's like the whole game is like treating the victim as a human cash machine, like a human ATM. Like You want to keep them on giving you as much money as they can for as long as they can. Right. And, and, and that's 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 the game. Um they deliberately target Americans and Europeans, seeing they them both as rich and especially gullible. And <laughs> you say what you want. This scam is super lucrative. I mean, the way I'm picturing it, have, do you play poker? I know how I don't really play. Okay. So when say you're uh, playing Texas Hold'em and you get your two cards and so you have a pair of aces. You know that, like, likely it doesn't matter what flips over, you're going to have a winning hand. But you don't want to go all in on the first round because that'll make everybody fold. So you just raise the bet little by little, get as much money out out of your competitors as you can. And then finally, on the last card, you go all in. And in their head, like, all right, I've already spent this much money. What the hell? And they go all in, too. It's true. It's true. So th- that, that's the way I'm like kind of picturing this taking place. Like you start out little, like give me $50 here and you raise it to a hundred dollars and you raise it to 150 
And then by the time you're at like, say, ten or twenty thousand dollars, they're at they're thinking, I've already spent this much money so far. I gotta keep going. I gotta go right. to the end. Right. Yep. I also it, it, you know, it's also easy to say it, it's sometimes easier to think like, hey, this is just any other Nigerian person that's pulling these schemes. And it's not. If these people are good at what they do, right? These scammers right. know what they're doing. And so they've 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 done this before they know how to answer questions that the victim might have to make them you know ease their fears it's not just like everybody in nigeria is sending these letters right it's certain sorry certain people and organizations that know this this world and this business that are doing it so they're good right um so it how much money (laughs) did these guys make you ready in 1997, the Secret Service confirmed that victim, victims in the U.S. alone had lost $100 million to the scam over the course of 15 months. Good God. That's a lot of money. In a not a very long time. Not even a year and a half. It That's is, crazy. Yeah. But it's also important to know that that figure only comes from known victims. And it's really easy to imagine that a lot of victims never reach out because, because they're embarrassed. Because it's fucking embarrassing. Yes. Yeah. And nobody wants to be known as like the fucking, the guy that fell for a fucking email scam, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So $100 million just on the people that reported it. Man, that's fucking wild. Yep. And then nine years later, in the year 2006, that year, they managed to scam almost $200 million out of Americans. Oh my God. Still. Yeah. 2006, $200 million. Fuck, man. That's, a lot, that's a lot of money. I know. That's it's an a, incredible amount of money. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. It's such a lucrative profession in Nigeria that a, many of Nigeria's drug cartels made the jump and started using, uh, started doing these advanced fee scams. They were like, Drugs are too risky. We're going to go email scam people. <laughs> that is, that's wild. That is right? wild. You're like dealing drugs is dangerous, but you know, scamming Americans is easy and a lot more lucrative. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, man. Do it. Um, they uh, actually have even established their own name, which they're, I'm going to start referring to it as the 419 scam, which is the Nigerian legal code for fraud. Four one nine, damn she's fine. No, sorry, that's the wrong song. Wrong song. Wrong song. (laughs) From three six nine, damn they fine. I'm thinking one more time. Get low. There's a surprising number of songs about four one nine scams. When I looked it up on Spotify today, I was just curious. There's Uh, a there's a rapper called like X Six or something like that. Like all of his songs are about scams, like credit card scams. It's in one song, it tells you step by step how to get blank cards, how to go to tour and get people's debit card numbers, how to press them. I, like, fucking, I fucking love that. I got to be honest. Like I step love by it. step. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this is wild. I mean, it's it's a major piece of the Nigerian economy, and it's it's a big way to make a lot of money. Um, and it, you know, it it sort of went from the print scam and it has quite a few different like variants on it 
So it's not just the Nigerian. Like everybody's like, oh, how could you fall for a Nigerian print scam? But there are other scams that are sort of the same thing, right? But like packaged differently, which trick different people. Um, like for instance, there's a romance scam, which is ooh, what's that? Pretty straightforward. It's like it's catfishing, basically. Okay. It is a scammer, um, or what they call the term for the scammers for the romance schemes. I love this. They're called Yahoo Boys. Yahoo Boys. <laughs> I love the I love the terminology. I just I like I'm like fuck yeah, man. Let's go hang out with some Yahoo Boys. Um, I feel like I've heard. Is that from like a Vice documentary? I feel like I've heard that term before. Maybe, but those. The, so these. I mean, the term is like the guys that do the romance scams. Or the yeah, yeah, boys. yeah. I feel like I've heard, I'm, I'm probably seeing a documentary on that on YouTube. You know, probably because I feel like out of all of the scams that are still running the romance scams are still the most profitable or currently the most profitable. Look at catfish. Yeah. Like they, uh, there's a whole TV series about it. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, you know, the Yahoo boys uh, um, pose as an attractive person and establishes an online relationship with their version of a MAGA. I don't know what that is. Then they start asking for money to cover things like a flight, bus ticket, hotel room, mm-hmm. car rentals, etc. Sometimes this could even lead to a more traditional, uh, Nigerian print scheme and that the Yahoo boy might pose as someone who is being held in duress or in need of bribes to escape their captor. So they can, sometimes they're like, Oh, I was on my way to the airport and I got picked up by the police and they're asking for this bribe to let me out. And it's just, it, it's all the same thing. Where the fuck is Nev when we need him? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nev versus the Yahoo boys. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of pulling for the Yahoo boys. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hustle, man. I can't hate on that. I can, but uh, yeah. We'll, we'll kind of it. our whole point is to hate on it. <laughs> I know. I know. I was really conflicted writing this episode. I was like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, fucking get, go get them. And then we'll, we'll get to some dark stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. Oh, this is sad. <laughs> um, another variant is the lottery scam, which is when you get an email saying that you won a lottery, you never entered, which I think would be your first clue. But yeah. it, people see those big million dollar numbers and they fall for it. Well, maybe um, I entered this and didn't realize it. Right. Right. From Nigeria. Um, <laughs> of course, with that, there are like bank fees, insurance fees, administrative fees, lawyer fees that you need to front before you get any of the money. But, you know, no big deal. You're about to get a wheelbarrow full of cash. It's cool. And then one, another one is one that I've actually personally experienced, not because I fell for it, but because I was emailed a, a few times about this thing. Um, and it, it is when you, it's like a Craigslist or eBay scammer. Right. And back in the day, I used both of those platforms to sell shit that I didn't need, like comic books or, you know, what bikes and whatever. And I'd always get someone saying, I'll offer you more money than you're asking for if you're willing to deal with someone internationally. And I was always like, nope, not going to do that. But basically <laughs> what they do, they, um, tell you that an item will be paid by someone who owes them money and you'll get a check for more than the item is being sold for. You're asked cash the check and send the balance back to the buyer, right? So you're asking a hundred bucks. They send you a check for 150. You're supposed to send that $50 to them. You keep the hundred, right? It's great. Or even if they, they, they let you keep a little bit of the 50 The problem is the check is forged and it's forged well enough that your local bank won't catch it. Right. But it won't be until it goes to the main processing, 
that they'll catch it and you've already sent the 50 bucks when suddenly $150 is pulled out of your account and you're in the red. Oh, wow. And that's it. I mean, they, they eventually catch the fraud checks, but it happens after you've already sent this money. So you're fucked. Okay. That's it. So if I ever get that, go to a bank that I don't have an account with. Cool. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, free money. <laughs> yeah. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is no such thing. Um, so meanwhile, back in Nigeria, all of the stuff that we've talked about is considered to be a game by the scammers. They call it a game. They think it's like fun thing to do to uh, Americans and Europeans. And that's, that's their whole, their whole mentality when they do this. Some of them are a little bit more radical and they say, this is, they consider this reparations for 300 years of mistreatment by colonial powers, which they've got a point. Uh, But really they all do this because it's the quickest and most lucrative way to make money. And honestly, they're not wrong. Right. I mean, you know, Nigeria has been plagued by corruption since their independence from the UK in 1960. Um, it's a really oil rich country, but most of the 280 billion with a B 280 billion dollars in oil money that they made between 1976 and 2006 was embezzled out of the country by who, by politicians, by oil companies, by there's a lot of bad players in Nigeria and they made a lot of money and they got the fuck out and they took it. And so what you're left behind is this, the people of a resource rich country live very, very poor or very poor because of, you know, people in charge just taking all of this money and not reinvesting it in the country. It's really, it's awful. And I, I would like to say it's an unusual situation in Africa, but it's not, this is a, this is unfortunately happens a lot more than it should. Right. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think it shouldn't be a surprise that a, those same people delight in scamming the colonial powers that they blame for these conditions. Yeah. And, and, and you I know, can see, yeah, I can see the point. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. You know, they're not wrong to think that it, it's just, you know, like you, you're not target. The problem is uh, for me, and this is what I think the tar- problem is, is you're not targeting the government entities that set up these conditions. You're targeting individuals who didn't necessarily have a hand in this. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going after the wrong people. Right. Like if you were scamming the government out of this money, I'd say Godspeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need help? Uh, big, big fan. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Love it. Um, yeah. So I, I told you about 419, um, but there's actually like a whole culture around the 419s in Nigeria. And there's even an anthem called I Go Chop Your Dollar, which was released, <laughs> Chop or Your Dollar, released in 2005 by an artist named. Oh, Sophia. I think that's how I say it. So this, I'm going to read some lyrics from this. This has to be the outro music. And I kind of want, I go chop your dollar to be the title of this episode. Okay. So here it is. This is, oh, this is going to be so bad. I shouldn't be reading this. Um, I'll give you a beat. <laughs> uh, no, please don't do that. I couldn't be any whiter than I am right now. <laughs> reading this. No, no Dalton. No, <laughs> This is uh, 419 No Be Thief. It's just a game. Everybody, they play them. If anybody fall Mugu, ha, my brother, I go chop them. National Airport, Nami get them. National Stadium, Nami build them. President, Nami sister brother, you be the Mugu. 
I be the master. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so they, it's, it's the whole thing. It's like a whole way of life. It's such a big industry over there that it's really pretty common that it makes it through pop culture and and music. I have Um, one question. Yeah. Where the fuck is great power Udi when we meet when we need him? <laughs> Deep you cut. Keep, you keep like <laughs> manifesting these people who are never going to come on this podcast. Great. Do you know who great power Udi is? No, I have no idea who that is. Oh, Wait, my, what do you think? Oh, it's the politician that was in Nigeria that kept getting these wrestlers to go wrestle him for. <laughs> you don't remember this? No. There's a whole story on uh, Luke Gallows going and wrestling the great power Udi. In Nigeria, and he said he's never been in more fear than he was <laughs> in Nigeria because he's wrestling for this non-existent crowd. He's wrestling Great Power Udi, and around the ring, there's just soldiers with assault rifles. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and he thought he was going to fucking die. <laughs> Don Callis wrestled in some wild places where he was talking about that kind of stuff. Dude, I'm about to send you the link to that. Right. Oh my God. It's it so fucking me. funny. You know, I listen. Oh God. Okay. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> it's all right. I hate so, it when I make a reference that you don't know. Cause like, I'm like thinking like, Oh man, this is hilarious. And then you're like, what? <laughs> That's like 90% of our references to each other. <laughs> like, the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. And then you think the same thing. You're like, why doesn't Austin know anything? Because I don't know anything. <laughs> Those Nigerian okay. scammers. You're, you're making me wiser and I'm making you younger. <laughs> I hate that that's so true. <laughs> that's really, that's the podcast. That's it. That's the podcast, folks. The end. Um <laughs> So <laughs> I will say that the, um, the 419 scam is not limited to just Nigeria, uh, though it's certainly bigger there than it is anywhere else. Other countries where the same scheme or scam has run include the Netherlands, which is weird, um, Ivory Coast, South Africa, and yes, Spain. And they're like, we're not out of this yet. We're still, we've still got these. There's a bunch of other places, but those seem to be the more common place, the, the more common countries right. for this to originate. And it's a problem in Nigeria so much. So is like as corrupt as the country is, right. They realize that being labeled as a scammer safe haven is really bad for public image and could affect future foreign investments. So in response, there's been a crackdown on the scams in 2003, then president. Oh, I'm going to fuck this name up. Oh, this one's going to be tough. Olusigun Obasanjo, I think established the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, or the EFFC, to combat the 419 scammers. And from the outside, it appeared to be a success. In 2005, Asishana Okuru, Okaru, uh, the acting director of the agency, said that, okay, really quick, two years, he that it's been active. He has said that seven hundred million dollars had been seized in just the two years Holy since the agency had fuck. been established. That's that's, that's a oh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money because I mean, like the stats I gave you earlier were only in the American right stats. So this is like worldwide what they were. Yeah, but they've been hitting Europe too, and yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, they were also. Oh, oh hey, mate, we're gonna get these. They're gonna get these money from these Nigerians, mate. Wait, is that that UK that's, or that Australia? That's Australia. <laughs> Good day, mate. That's you Australia. Wanna... No, that's UK. No. How, how do you do a UK accent? 
I'm not doing it because I've told you I'm not doing an accent on this one. Would I, Moy? Would you? No, like you keep doing the good day, man. Is an Australian thing. Oh, uh, how do you do, Mary Poppins? <laughs> tea. <laughs> London Bridge is falling down. Great day, in it. <laughs> keeping the streak alive. Dalton does a bad accent. <laughs> oh God! Good morning to you, bruv. <laughs> That's right a little, outside today, isn't it? <laughs> that's a little better. <laughs> Only a little. Uh, at least you're kind of in the right country. <laughs> so, in addition to the 700 million, there were also 12 convictions related to such cases, and which um, Okaru uh, commented that this was a good result considering the sluggishness of Nigerians and uh, Nigeria's legal system. But that's not a lot. 12 people got arrested. I mean, that's a shitload of yeah, money. That's, that's, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of money, but I mean, that's a small, that's a small amount of people. Right. You're going to tell me that 1200, 12 people were responsible for 700 million. You're out of your fucking mind. You think there's some corruption going on here? <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, so estimates, I thought this was interesting. Estimates uh, are the folks that get caught in the scam lose an average of $5,100, and that's for victims of the United States. Oof. Apparently, the UK is doing a lot poorer job of it because the estimate uh, in the UK is closer to 31,000 pounds, which is $42,000. Big difference. Yeah. Big <laughs> difference. 142000 That's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but also, again, these are just the reported numbers. This isn't taking account all the right. people that were embarrassed and didn't want to and didn't want to fess up to the, them being fleeced. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell us fucking soul. I wouldn't either. Well, and so now here is the fucked up part of this thing. Oftentimes, the scam doesn't end once the MAGA discovers that they've been defrauded. There are teams in Nigeria that will follow up with the victim claiming to be a private investigator or government agency. <laughs> yes. That are oh, working. My fucking God. To bust the scammers and get you your money back. And if you're interested in them opening an inquiry on your behalf, it will only cost you a small fee. Oh mm. my God. You know where so you going. finally tell them, you know what? Fuck off. Keep your money. Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Got them right where we want them. <laughs> exactly it. That's exactly it. They come up with these fake ass email addresses that look official, and they're like, "Oh, we're the ex government agency looking into this. If you'd like to, to us to look into it, it's a small processing fee." Oh my! I just got to get more money. That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> That's wild. Um. So let's talk about the victims. This is your least favorite part of every podcast? Yeah. 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 It's my least favorite part too, but we got to do it. That's what we got to do. I just spent a whole episode making. This happens every time. I spend a whole episode making fun of people that fall for it, and then you tell me about the people that fall for it. I'm like, oh fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Her formula. This is what works. I think. (laughs) Um, it's it is pretty easy to paint these folks with a broad brush and call them greedy idiots. You know, like it's that's that's the lazy way to do it. Don't get me wrong. There is some of that to this. Uh, many of these folks are blinded by the promise of great riches, but seeing as the scam scam comes in a lot of different varieties, you will find people that are in it for different reasons. And I want to read you this letter 
that someone wrote the author of Scamorama about like why they were tricked. And I think this puts it in a much more human way, you know, human light from the victim side of things. Um, my name is redacted and I live in London, England. I really wish I'd seen your We're site. Top of the morning to you, bro. <laughs> Don't start that shit on here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really wish I'd seen your site before I lost $20,000. Oh my God. Immediately regret. Oh God. Oh. I know. Oh, no. I was taken completely and believed I was helping a poor frightened African girl get out of the Ivory coast with her father's oh. legacy of 22 million that he had left in a security company when he was mysteriously poisoned on a business trip to France. What fuck? Yeah. I, I paid for the money to come out of the Ivory coast where it went to Amsterdam, where I paid more to get it out of customs. This wasn't enough as the amount kept going up due to the diplomatic in quotes, uh, secrecy of the consignment. I went to Holland was picked up at the airport by two men in a Mercedes. They were playing gospel music and talking about God and Jesus as they knew I was religious. Then we went to an office where I was introduced to the manager who said they would release the consignment to me now on payment of the customs fee and their charges. I paid $10,000 and they brought in the box. It was open and it was full of money secured with pink plastic, which had to remain sealed until I got to the bank. I was then driven back to the airport and told that the money would be in my account soon. They have a website, www.interconfinance. And if you look at that site, click on online banking, then click the accounts uh, and put in this, a specific username and password. You will see an entry crediting my account for 22 million. Hmm. The next surprise was that I now had to pay $22,000 to get a license from the Hague stating it was not drug slash laundered money. Oh my God. At this point, my inquiry saved me. I called the Hague asking for the price of this form. And he said it was a scam. Well, then I looked up the form name in Google and I went straight to your site where I read the same letters with variations that I got. They find out your weaknesses, given them in confidence and exploit them mercilessly. I was taken in and suffer the financial pressures as the money was entirely borrowed from credit cards. So convinced was I. Oh man. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, just took a whole international flight. Yeah. Was, oh my god, this and is like a lot more legitimate of a scam than I initially thought it was coming into this. It's because it became a punchline at some point, right? You know, but it's not because people really fell for this. A lot of people really fell for this all over the world. I mean, seven hundred million dollars captured in two years by a maybe a corrupt government organization in nigeria like how much was still out there yeah i mean how much did the how much did the top guy give them to pay them off to let most of their people go yep or flip to turn on his competitor yeah 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 (laughs) you know i mean it's like uh and it and so now we're gonna get a little darker um oh cool uh yeah obviously victims of the scam suffer financially but there are other damages resulting from these cons and i just want to put out a trigger warning uh, right now. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide. And so I just want to put that out there, skip ahead a minute uh, and, and to bypass that. So there have been multiple suicides linked to victims of a 419 scam. Um, two quick examples. One Chinese student who was studying English, 
hung herself after losing 6,000 pounds to the scam. She's 26 years old and it's fucking horrible. Um, another man who's also in England uh, set himself on fire on his 48th birthday after discovering that he had not actually won a 1.2 million pound lottery. He left behind a wife and two children. Horrible. I mean, like yeah. this is the dark yeah. side. Yeah, it's not pretty. Um, there have also been victims who visited the home country of their scammer under the guise of getting their money in person only to be kidnapped and held for enormous ransoms. So this wow. happened quite a bit where they would go, they were like, Hey, I'm going to go pick up this money. I'm going to Nigeria or South Africa or several other places. And they were picked up from the airport and then held for ransom. Dude, so, I've heard horror stories about South Africa. You, I don't care what the money is. I'm not going to fucking South Africa. <laughs> I've seen those videos on Live Leak. You can't get me to go there. <laughs> uh, well, we're about to talk about South Africa. Um, as if all of that isn't bad enough, this is from an article on IOL News, which is a news uh, news network based out of South Africa. <coughs> Sorry. Norwegian millionaire... Kajil Mo, 65, who disappeared from his hotel room during a business trip to Johannesburg in September, is believed to be the fifth victim of the Nigerian 419 scam. Detectives from Johannesburg Commercial Crime Unit, who have been investigating the case, have reason to believe that Mo met Nigerian members of a syndicate operating from Hillbro. Brow. Hillbrow? Hillbro? I don't know. Hillbrow. Hillborough. <laughs> <laughs> it's B-R-O-W, it's Hellbrow. Um, <laughs> it is also suspected that he was kidnapped from his hotel and murdered, although the body has not been found. Woof. Mo arrived in Johannesburg on September 24th and was due to leave four days later. He was last seen eating breakfast at the City Lounge Hotel in Edenvale on September 26th, hours before he failed to show up for a business appointment on in Brits. Quote, documents and letters found in the hotel room indicate he was involved in the scam. His personal belongings, cell phone, and money were left behind. And it was also found that he had planned numerous calls. I'm sorry, that he had placed numerous calls to a West African man operating from Hillbrow, said Superintendent Chris Wilkin, a police spokesman for Johannesburg. Wow, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. His body was found later in an unmarked grave, and it was very clear that he had been murdered. Huh. That's intense, man. It's dark. It's dark. Yeah. It's it, and it and there's real world consequences to this. I mean, this is you're you know, I mean, it, I wouldn't say all of the the scammers have are, are of this background, but you're also dealing with gangs and and drug cartels and right. like they get into this they're dealing business. with dangerous people like dangerous people it, it's fu- like it's funny on the outside like oh, um, nigerian prince like sending you money but then when you like get into it it's like you're, you're not dealing with good people <laughs> no you're dealing with dangerous people and you're fucking with their money right you know yeah so that's it's no different than stealing a kilo from the mexican cartel Right, like, um, yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's the same. It's the same uh, concept, right? Yeah, this is what these people do to make money. If you fuck with their money, you're dead. Yeah, yep. So the dark part is over. That's it. That's the darkness. We're gonna end on a, on a lighter note. So, so you're gonna tell me these people got their money back? No, they none of them got their fucking money back. <laughs> it is, it is, it is like impossible to get this money back. There's so many international laws that get in the way. 
very few people even report it as we've discussed before they don't get their money back sorry that's not a great ending so <laughs> i wanted to end with something two things that are a little bit better one i'm a little iffy on one i'm very excited about so we're going to talk about scam baiters okay and scam baiters are a group of folks who could you to- say that they are master baiters well you'll you'll be the judge of that and that was like a really easy joke for you to make <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk off <laughs> fucking wanka <laughs> there you go see that's english that's the most authentic english thing you've done all day um this is scam baiters are a group of folks who have come together online to scam the scammers they basically use the exact same techniques that the 419 folks use to uh scam the Nigerian scammers, but instead of money, they make the scammer perform embarrassing acts and then send photographic evidence of the deed. Okay. Like what? So I'm going to read you this little bit from wired magazine in 2006. They pilfer nearly 200 million from Americans annually and drive some of their victims to suicide. But Nigeria's notorious email scam artists may have finally met their match and the results can be hilarious. British online vigilante shiver me timbers is leading tens Great of thousands. Name. I know, right? <laughs> is leading tens of thousands of scam baiters in a crusade to shut down advanced fee fraudsters, grifters who spam unwitting victims with elaborate emailed sob stories, promising a share of a non-existent fortunes in return for upfront payments. A 43-year-old self-employed computer engineer from Manchester, England, Me Timbers has most recently spun counter yards that have compelled 419ers to make elaborate word carvings pose for comical photos and fly from London to Scotland in one episode, which concluded in March after a five month exchange, he succeeded in having a Nigerian fraudster tattoo baited by shiver on his body in order to claim a fictional $46,000 prize. Oh my God. (laughs) Another time the scammer thought I was going to get, he was going to get $18,000 out of me, but I actually got the guy to send me $80 says me timbers who started the 419 um, Eater community site almost a 419 Eater community site almost three years ago after receiving a wave of spam in his inbox. I've got between five and 10 on the go at any time, Meet Timber says. The worst thing that could possibly happen to these guys is that they get their photos slapped on a website. I feel like a cyber vigilante doing my bit for the public. Meet Timbers, whose real forename is Mike, and who spends up to seven hours a day scam baiting is team captain in a growing internet blood sport in which photographic evidence of competing baiter success constituate um, successes constitute trophies. So I'm, I'm for it, man. I love it. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm a little conflicted because I feel like you're waving a bunch of money in front of these guys face, but they also scam you first. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm more. They come after him first. I'm, right. it's, it's all fair. Yeah. And I've seen some of these photos. If you look up scam baiters photos, there's a shitload of them online. Um, there was one gentleman who was posed for a picture in a bra and panties. <laughs> and so they take that and they post it to their scam baiter community being like, I got so one. Good. <laughs> so good. Um, most of them though, are just scammers with like pieces of paper with really embarrassing stuff written on them in a picture. That's, that's kind of the, the bread and butter of it. Um, but you know what, even, and, and and the scams have died down, right? Like there's so much awareness of these scams that they've definitely currently 
are not making nearly as much money as they were in their peak. Right. You but, want to know why? Why? Because they've been replaced with phone calls. Hey, we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> Fuck yeah. God, I don't even own a car. <laughs> I get them all the time. <laughs> yeah. The scam will always live. It just takes different forms and it moves to different, you know, different sophistications and, and methods of delivery. Um, but having said that, in the last year, these scams still managed to cost victims just in the U.S. of $700,000. Mm. So it's a lot less than the $200,000 a year, but yeah, it's, that's a lot. It's still, it's still it's money still that they're making. It's a pretty making. big amount of money, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and like, you know, again, this is like despite the term Nigerian prince, like seeping into our everyday lexicon. Right. Like that's, that's such a part of everything that we, it's a joke. Right. Um, but before we go, we need a hero. And I found a guy I like. Okay. Uh, oh, God. This and a hero! And a hero! Wait. I don't know if I can words that song. Yeah, I can tell, but it's okay. You did, I mean, you did enough where I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not James Randy this time, I promise. Um, this is a guy named... Oh, on you. Oh, God. These names. This this one's going to be tough. On Yikachi Opara. And he was busted in 2008, Nigeria. He was part of a 419 that was defrauding businesses in the U.S. to the tune of $25 million. (laughs) That's a lot of fucking money. I kind of like this guy. Let me tell you why. He and his team would pretend to be third party vendors using emails with domain names very similar to the vendors that the company regularly did business with. So no one in accounting caught that these, <laughs> these invoices were fraud and they paid Opara and his team. They would deposit the money and he would immediately take that money out and spread it to a bunch of untraceable bank accounts. <laughs> Unfortunately, like we've seen many, many times on the show, when you fuck with the poor or marginalized folks, you can get away with it. When you fuck with businesses, you're going to get busted. He was arrested and stood trial in the U.S. He was convicted five years in prison, $2.5 million to be paid back in restitution. And I just want to give it up to Opara for dreaming big. And I really hope when he's out, he starts back up again, draining the coffers of the capitalist swine. <laughs> you know, if it, if all of these stories were businesses, I'd be, I'd, I'd feel a lot better about it. Fuck. Yeah. We wouldn't even be talking about them. That would be a yeah. good grift episode. <laughs> like I wouldn't even, yeah, no, that's like, I was, I read that and I was like, go Opara, go <laughs> grift. My child grift, my friend. Amazon next, please. Uh, we actually there's a there is a story we're going to talk about that i think you're really going to like and it's a good grifter story it's similar to opara but it's oh is it going to be featured on our patreon coming soon (laughs) maybe (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so that's that's today's story that's that's story time Oh, I'm glad that we ended on a good note. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to try to do that because I feel like some of these end up on really dark <laughs> notes. So, man, and like, everybody died. The end. <laughs> and no one got their money back. And they were all miserable. And welcome to capitalism. Oh, okay. Well, before we get into the plugs and farewells and all that, I do. We have a few things to announce since we've been gone. 
uh, Austin was featured on the Super Fantastic podcast. He I talked was. about the 1981 slasher film, The Burning. I thought it was a great episode. Austin held down the fort by itself. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> it's a good movie, too. It? Worth watching, especially now that we're in spooky season. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Check it out. I had it's, never even heard about it before that podcast. So it, yeah. was, it was pretty refreshing. It's an it's an underrated uh, movie for sure. It definitely gets left out of like the classic camp slasher movie conversation, but it shouldn't be. I mean, there's not, there's some not great stuff in there, but it's it's an entertaining movie. Oh, I mean, there's a product of time, right? I, yeah, it's like so many things. Shout out. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> shout that out. What the fuck, Dalton? He was involved. Like, no, but that doesn't. <laughs> you don't shout him out. <laughs> shout out Jack Shoulder, who was the the editor who went on to make the Freddy's Big Gay Adventure, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. It just crossed my mind. I was like, this would get a good reaction out of Austin. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Dalton. <laughs> and I was uh, hanging out with Charlie Butters on IWTV Guide. We did an episode. You know, Goiko, you. <laughs> we did an episode on Japanese promotion. Don't get canceled again. <laughs> um, which was heavily edited. <laughs> I talked about come and Charlie edited it out because he's a coward. But oh, you didn't oh, send me that part. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> um, we did an episode featuring uh, our friend Jay Gold. Uh, Ed from Pod Van Dam and myself and Charlie Butters. So check it out whenever you get the chance. IWTV Guide, you know where to find them. Hello, cat. There's just the cat just appeared on <laughs> Austin's screen. Um, okay, well, without that out of the way, we got friends. Check out our friends at. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite bit. <laughs> We got friends, bruv. Check out our friends at the Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Wrestling Cheers, Super Fantastic, X Over, Hard Headed, Super Chat Party, Sweet Stuff and Bitter Things. Oh, is, is that British? I'm, the fuck I don't know bit. what that I'm, is. Nobody I'm knows done. what that is. I'm done. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> we got friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Wrestling Cheers, Super Fantastic, X Over, Hard Headed, and Super Chat Party. Sweet stuff. Um, huh? And sweet stuff. Sweet stuff and fuck. We got friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam. Super fantastic. IWTV guide. X over. Hard head. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Do you not have uh, this written down? No. <laughs> okay. You're going to end up using that first British take. <laughs> I nailed all of them, too. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Wrestling Cheers, Super Fantastic, X Server, Hard Headed, Sweet Stuff and Better Things, and Super Chat Party. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Agogo. You can find me on Twitter at Catch Dalton. Uh, don't fall for scams, guys. Don't if you get an email too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. If you like, I said no wealth other than inherited wealth. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to work until you die and that's pretty much it <laughs> you know what i tried to end on a positive note and then you did that so god damn it dalton <laughs> stay beautiful 
We'll see you next time on If You Catch My Grift, bruv. Oh, God. Good podcast today, innit? <laughs> Good day, mate. See you next time. Oh, Lord. I am the winner. And see. But you go pay me some more money, make I bring them. You be the mugu, I be the master. Now me be the master. Oh. When no you go play wayo, they go say na new style. When countryman do it, oh, then go be shout, bring him, kill him, die. Better you both people greedy, them greedy. I said them greedy, them greedy. I don't see them fire. That's why when they fall and my trap, oh, I they show them fire. National airport, let me get them. National stadium, let me view them.